When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Engel. Die Dickens. Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found. This is round number two. We are looking at the year 1978. I'm here with my best friends from high school, Derek Brain, Bill Federko, Chris Nashawadi, and myself, Tom Skolovich. We are looking at our favorite songs from 1978, Deep Cuts, Overlooked Artists, Overlooked Songs, songs that are worth another listen, albums that we suggest you check out if you haven't already. Hopefully you'll enjoy what we have to share with you. We're going to end the show with a bit of competition. We're going to all vote on our favorite discovery of the show and share it all with you. Welcome to Deep Cuts. Right, this is our second show. We opened it up with 1977, which was an incredibly exciting year of music. Uh, let's talk a little bit about 1978. What was going on in 1978? I believe the honors are mine. And uh, at the time, we are nine years old. Mm -hmm. I think all of us are nine years old. Uh, fourth grade in Needham, Massachusetts. And uh, at this point, I certainly didn't know anything about what was going on in the world, so I won't bore us with what was going on in the world politically. I know Jimmy Carter was the president. There was a Cold War, something like that. Uh, important for us, I think, was the fact that things like Space Invaders were being introduced, <laughs> starting to play video games. Disco is still king. Uh, John Travolta is ruling the uh, both the airwaves and, and the movies, you know, with Saturday Night Fever and Grease is the Word. Everything is big, from cars to lapels to bell-bottoms to gar uh, guitar solos and classic rock. But punk is still a thing. Uh, 78, we have a lot of uh, both debut records and also some, some sophomore efforts. For us here at Needham, I think a big thing was the blizzard of 78. Yeah, for sure. Where uh, it basically closed the town down, and we didn't have school, which was great. Uh, and we operated like we're in some Scandinavian village with our toboggans and cross-country skis. Everybody remember that? That was a good time. That was awesome. Yeah, we were trapped in our house for days. <laughs> we were actually literally trapped in the house. Literally. It was great. And the 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 pie, the snowbanks were taller than we were. Yeah. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like, like, like 10 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. And we we only had a shovel. We didn't have snow blowers or anything like that. So <laughs> And we we used we scooped with our hands and we liked it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I walked I walked to the grocery store uphill both ways. <laughs> right. But it was it was this, it was this event where nature just exerted its dominance and shut the world down in a way that I don't think we had experienced yet uh, in our lives. And it was pretty exciting. I mean, we were out of school for a long time. Was it more? It was like a couple of weeks. It just seemed like, like two weeks. It took a yeah, long time yeah. for the town yeah. to recover. And, you know, all this, no one was driving anywhere. Everyone was just walking and sledding and in the middle of the streets. 
Yeah, it was yeah. it was mayhem. It's chaos. I had a car accident that year, and I had my teeth knocked out, which was interesting. Didn't you have your teeth knocked out a couple different years? Yeah, this, I have multiple teeth knocking <laughs> That's out. That's a theme. That seems to be a theme. It's a, it's a running thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, uh, my dental bills will uh, attest to it. But here's the crazy thing about '78. You know, speaking of music, you know, the Sex Pistols put out their album in '77. They were broken up in '78. That's nuts. <laughs> I mean, mid mid tour in San Francisco, and they broke up, and that was it. Um, so uh, I think we jump right into the music, boys. You ready? Yeah, yeah let's ready. do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, let's uh, let's see who wants to start it out. Uh, Derek, do you want to lead off on this one? I will start it out. Since we were just talking about the Sex Pistols, let's stay in England and let's stay with punk. Yes. I'll talk about the Buzzcocks. Nice. Uh, they put out two records in 78, Another Music in a Different Kitchen and Love Bites. This particular song was the B-side to the Promises single. A lot of the, a few songs from both of those records eventually ended up on singles going steady, which came out the next year, which was, you know, at least in the States, everyone's in to Buzzcocks was singles going steady. Just a seminal record and kind of amazing. But, you know, Buzzcocks were an important part of the British punk and post-punk movement of the 70s, you know, Wire, Gang of Four, Joy Division. You know, for me, they had this kind of brightness and crisp energy that I really still love. And they're just really exciting to listen to. And this song is kind of a perfect distillation of what I really love about Buzzcocks. It's a song about uh, getting dumped called uh, Lipstick. But it's a perfect Buzzcock song. This is Lipstick, B-side to the Promises single from 1978. It's Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round two.
so satisfying. Pichelli. Very nice. Very nice. I feel like the Budscocks could be kind of our uh, pet band for deep cuts because everybody knows like one song by them. You know, have you ever fallen in love? But there's so much more. Oh, oh there's so much more. Unbelievable amount more. It also reminds you of like a little bit like The Clash. There's such an element of musicality that is beyond a lot of the other punk bands. Like True. there's nuances to like how the chords change and and their bridges are interesting. Like they're a better songwriting band or more sophisticated than a lot of oh, other yeah. bands. Oh, yeah. Super solid rhythm section. I mean... Yeah, they're definitely not your typical kind of slap-it-together punk band, loud and fast. They're definitely doing a, a lot more. Yeah, I'll take the next spot. Um, All right. We played... That's, I like the assertiveness, Tom. Tom, Tom jumping in there. Jumping I love in. it. There you go. Bring it. Well, I think Derek, Derek did uh, first two weeks in a row, so I think we're going to have to, like, uh, banish him until uh, till later. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, hey. Oh, sorry. No. Sorry. <laughs> no offense. Uh, one of the things I loved about this whole process, this whole podcast, is in digging through, you know, different years you find certain songs that you can't believe got released in that year. Like they're so innovative, they're so beyond. And because they're kind of deep cuts or they're B-sides or album tracks, they may not have been popular because they didn't resonate with audiences yet, but they were really, truly ahead. And uh, even though uh, I'm going to suck up to the French and I'm going to play a French artist. Oh, again, Tom. Yep, again, <laughs> yeah. But You and the French. I know. So vichy. I'm just going to put down my camembert and play another song. Um, this is a track which I still can't believe it's from 1978, but I did my research. It really is. I listened to the entire record and they are trying different ideas that come close to this. But this one, I think distills something truly unique. They are the unfortunately titled Black Devil Disco Club. Uh, the song is called uh, Timing Forget the Timing. And I'm going to play it for you now. Challenge. Is- wow, I'm intrigued. <laughs> All right. so this deep. is interesting. Okay, this Such is very deep cut. San Andreas. Deep, deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 2, 1978 is the year, believe it or not. Thank you. 
This was created without any, basically no synths. It's, a, it's I'm sorry, it's no MIDI and no computers. It's all synths and occasional tape loops. It's an artist uh, named Bernard Fevre. He's a French musician, and it's sort of like electronic disco track. Yeah. Wow. Thoroughly weird and interesting. It's very atmospheric. Right? I was going to pretend like I know it. Oh, that song by him. Um, the only lyrics I recognized were the diddy, diddy, diddy. Yeah. I know those ones. I kind of like it. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's funky. It's funky. Tommy, I mean, you're definitely the deepest. There's no one who's going to out-deep <laughs> that <Yeah>. song. <laughs> That's not even a forgotten favorite. I mean, it's never known, never. I, well, would, I, I, never I, recommend, I recommend listeners not look up the cover of this particular record. Yeah. Combination of Why? that. Oh, well, now I'm going right to the internet. Well, the combination of that and the title is... Uh, it's problematic, but, not, you know. It's... Very problematic. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, Man, I'm intrigued. Well, you j- literally just sent everyone into like Google search. Uh, I guess so. Exactly. Just to not call it. Yeah. It reminds you well a little bit. Well done, Derek. Don't look over there, everyone. Right. <laughs> 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 Nothing to see here. It kind of comes out of like the Giorgio Moroder and the Italo yes. disco scene. Oh, I definitely just kind of yeah, cool. hear that for sure. And it was really like really cutting edge use of, you know, synths in a really compelling way. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it was recorded uh, just outside of Paris, uh, all with, again, synths and tape loops and, you know, this guy Bernard Fev. It's the only track I know of his, but hopefully you uh, enjoyed it. 78, you know, you can't ignore disco. Disco was ruling ruling the world. So. King. Disco was still king. Disco was big. Absolutely. So, Billy, where would you like to take us now that we've done our oh, little yeah. disco trip? I don't, I don't know where to go from there. Um, yeah, Punk was 77 and already by 78, Disco was still king, but New Wave is starting and so I'm going to jump in with, I think, the best, uh, one of the best new wave bands with the greatest debut, The Cars. And I'm going to start with uh, a song from that record, which is a perfect record. And I'm going to choose the one song that people don't always like. Uh, and that is, I'm in I touch. was going to say, it's a tough album to pick a deep cut from it because it's so. I know with- it is. So I'm going to choose, yeah, I'm going to choose I'm in touch with your world. And if you don't like it, listen to the other eight amazing songs. That's fine. <laughs> I, I don't care. This is, like I say, probably a divisive song because it is really off kilter. It's got a weird time signature. It's got crazy lyrics. Uh, Rico is talking about, I'm a psilocybin pony. You're a flick fandango phony. It's got slide whistles. It's got computer beeps. It's got saxophone. Really quirky song. And to me, it's like... Uh, the car is trying to do the doors from Strange Days. It's just interesting. Really, that's a that's a really weird song, uh, but I love it. And so, heck with the heck with the haters. Uh, like I say, it's called "I'm in Touch with Your World." And if you don't like it, there's plenty of other songs on this album for you. This is the Cars.
It's a trippy, trippy song. It's a totally trippy song. And everybody basically gets a chance to kind of have their moment. Yeah. Like It's like featuring everybody doing something fun and a little gimmicky. Yeah. Greg, Greg Hawks loved playing it. He said live, you know, just do like little computer bleeps here and there. You know? Elliot like Easton's got some nice chords in there. He some does. nice, yeah. you know, little I, lines. I always wondered what people's experience in other parts of the country was of the cars. Because... Mm-hmm. Certainly them being from this area, I feel like it was just, right. it was the constant soundtrack to a certain period of, of our lives where yeah. Yeah. you just couldn't escape. They were just sort of, they were just like air and water, you know, the, yeah. the yep. cars were just there for a certain period of time and you just couldn't escape it. I mean, I didn't, I liked it, but you know, there's certain songs that I hear that just bring me back to like that weird carnival that would show up in the parking lot of the high school every year. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. You know, we're just, you'd be hearing cars or enjoying a good ride on the music fest. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. But I also remember being at the Harvard coop in Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, some years after this, when they used to still sell records in like a much dingier area of the store that doesn't really exist anymore. And out of the corner of my eye, just, you know, seeing this stilt walker lope into the room (laughs) and, you know, just seeing that haircut and that Adam's apple. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's Rick Ocasek, of course, you know, and just being right next to him, flipping through some records. He was such, such an unmistakable presence it was uh, only one career for him yeah <laughs> it's like it's like joey ramone like you mentioned joey ramone at the dry cleaners like just right. taking in your stuff <laughs> no. i can't imagine joey ramone at a dry no. cleaner no. does he have anything that needs to be dry cleaned <laughs> joey 
Straight up denim. Chris, where do you want to take us? <laughs> okay. Um, well, Top that. I think I'm going to go with uh, a little band out of Ohio called Devo. All right. Oh. Nice. Um, they put out their debut album in 1978, the title Q, colon, are we not men, question mark, A, colon, we are Devo. So it's a really fun album. It's a really weird album. It's still weird, right. uh, even, <laughs> right. you know, like 30, 40 something years later. So I think that they, at the time, were no one really knew what to make of them. So they sort of took them as a joke. And I think that was probably the wrong reaction because they're really good musicians and they're really smart. And beneath the, uh, you know, like the matching jumpsuits and hazmat gear and flower pot hats, they're really talented musicians. And this is this, I picked this song to sort of show that angle off. It's it's also featured in um, one of my favorite scenes in Wes Anderson's uh, The Life Aquatic, which is a great Wes Anderson movie. Um, so the song is called Gut Feeling. And then uh, in, in uh, parentheses. Parenthetically. Yes, parenthetically, slap your mammy. So uh, <laughs> Thomas, please hit it. Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round two, 1978 is the year.
such a fun song, man. It's just got such a driving, building energy through it. You know, so many of their songs have a sort of a, a novelty act vibe to them. You know what I mean? Almost like yeah, spoofy right. or yep. or silly. And I just don't think that that's an accurate sort of depiction of, or at least a full picture of, of no, what no, these guys no, no. are up to. They were as much performance artists as they were a band. Yeah. Like they had an ethos. They had some really serious ideas behind what they were doing. They came out, they're much more political than anyone thinks. They came out of Kent State. You know, they were they were right. literally there protesting when the Kent State shootings happened. Devo trying to warn us, man. You know, <laughs> they said, they said, they, they said, de-evolution is, is, happen, is gonna happen. Combination of, of television and technology and, and pop culture and herd mentality and capitalism are gonna de-evolve us as a people and they said this so long ago and we didn't listen to Devo and we are we are <laughs> who invited Mark Mothersbaugh on the show we are living we are literally living through what they predicted I love they the passion they literally predicted <laughs> this I mean I saw an interview with one of them they're like this was a few years ago them saying we predicted this we tried to tell you now we're the house band on the Titanic. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right, right. A big I told you so from D. Uh, <laughs> it also reminds you a little bit about like what happens to those really innovative artists from the late 70s, early 80s, and what do they do thereafter? Like, you know, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo became a very sort of iconic film score composer, as did Denny Elfman from Oingo Boingo, both L.A. Yeah. bands. It was a natural transition for them, I think, to figure out, like, what's my next step when the band touring is much too much of a grind? A lot of them moved into storytelling. And because they were kind of performance artists, like, storytelling was part of their deal to begin with. It's tougher, I think, for bands like, you know, we mentioned the Cars earlier, like, I'm not sure what the options were for a lot of those artists. I don't know if they had like the doors opening to them for kind of beginning to do score work or other type of careers. They kind of had to grind it out with doing like, you know, nostalgia tours and stuff like that. Well, Rick Ocasek became a pretty, you know, a notable producer. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, very notable. Yeah, very notable. Bad Brains, Weezer, many others. Yep. yep. Also put out some good solo records. We could talk about Beatitude, et cetera. Right. Yeah. We, and I feel like we will in shows oh, to come. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we blazed through that first round. So let's uh, go That's into the, the second round. It. That's the way we roll. Derek Brain, what would you like to, uh, to launch us into in this uh, second round? I'm going to launch us into a weird, really weird song from a you know, maybe not as weird artist. Weirder than Devo? Well, yeah, that's true. Certainly not. Weirder than Tom's French artist? Definitely, no. No, not weird. But the song, I think the song is truly strange in certain ways. This is a, a Nick Lowe uh, song from his record, Jesus of Cool. Great title. Um, it is a great title. It's a classic pop record. I love the sound of breaking glasses on it. So it goes, Heart of the City. It's a great record. It's got so many well-crafted, catchy songs, but you know you also have to include Nick Lowe because he was a real serious producer and songwriter for others as well. He did the first five Elvis Costello records, and he wrote What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. I mean, just for that, he should get mentioned all over the place. He did he uh, did the dance. Wasn't he in Rock Pile before this? Rock Pile? He was in Rock Pile and like Brinsley Schwartz. Okay. Which is such a weird pub rock Ah, uh, yes. Brinsley Schwartz. <laughs> I think I went to her bar mitzvah. That's right. Oh, Brinsley Schwartz. I remember her. I got a lovely diamond ring there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, this song, uh, Marie Provost is, it's a really pretty song musically. You know, it's 
jangly and jaunty. But lyrically, it's super, super dark. It's this really sad, true story of this silent film star uh, named Marie Prevost, who, you know, really went downhill and died alone in her apartment and didn't get discovered until a few weeks later. You know, it's got the <laughs> a really dark line. She was a winner that became a doggy's dinner. Oh! Um, <laughs> doesn't get grosser than that. Um, but, you know, the combination of these super dark lyrics and this bouncy arrangement just make it a really weird song. So this is uh, Nick Lowe from his record, Jesus of Cool, and that's uh, Marie Vervost. Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round two. Mary Provost did not look her best The day the cops bust into a lonely nest In the cheap hotel up on Hollywood West think of those lyrics the same way yeah. anymore now that I know the backstory. Thank you for that. <laughs> Keeping it dark. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to stick with uh, the darkness theme uh, and play Anything a... French? No, in this case it is English. Uh, <laughs> this is an artist that uh, I'm a big fan of and I love, I love watching Weird. artists evolve and I love seeing like the early years when they're trying to figure out what they want to do and then at some point they get to the point that they know exactly what they're doing and then they become the kind of iconic artists that we know 
And in this case, the artist is Peter Gabriel. He did two solo records after leaving Genesis, self-titled both, Peter Gabriel 1, Peter Gabriel 2. The second one is known as Scratch because it has sort of like a scratchy looking cover on it. And as I listened to the record, one song really stuck out to me, which is the final song on the album, the closing song. It's a song called Home Sweet Home, which has some of the strangest lyrics I ever heard Peter Gabriel sing. And it's also kind of an interesting British person's approach to country Western music and American music, which is also very interesting, which I'm always a fan of. It's always really fun to see like, what do the English think that American music sounds like and what's their interpretation? Sometimes they do it really well. I think Nick Lowe does it really well. There's a certain American quality to his songs or at least a love of American music that kind of imbues his, his stuff. So this is a track called Home Sweet Home. I do suggest you check out the lyrics as we play it and hopefully you'll dig it. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round two, 1978 is the year. Peter Gabriel from his second solo record, Home Sweet Home. song kind of continues to tell the story of how after his wife jumps out of the window with his child, he gets a, uh, a settlement and then he goes to a casino where he basically puts all the money down in despair 
and then wins a ton of money and buys a mansion in the hills. So it's like, okay. That song really took a turn there. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> you know, the, the storytelling quality and actually the, the style of the vocals or just the way they sound, like they sound almost thin compared to his later sort of vocals. Mm-hmm. It's very Genesis, um, Lamb's Lie Down on Broadway. Sort of, it's got that same sort of um, sound. Yeah. So this is, sounds like a really transitional the, you know, those first three records are really interesting, but they're it's like he's searching for a style on those records. Totally, totally. Like, there's some there's some real great ballads, but there's also some really experimental stuff and some some rockers. It's just I think it took him a while to figure out what kind of solo artist he wanted to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the So record is sort of the one that really is like the pop flourishing of it. It's almost like yeah. his best songwriting and his best production. And Daniel Lamois worked yeah. with him on that record. And like this one has Robert Fripp as the producer. And most of the songs have a lot of Robert Fripp influence. This one less so. Yeah. But, you know, it's a Tony Levin who played bass with him for a long time is on the yeah. Sid McGuinness is on guitar. Roy Baton, who I think played keys with... Um, uh, David with, Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie and also Bruce Springsteen. So it's yep. kind of interesting of right. yeah having these interesting other influences. There's definitely a Bowie quality to this song too. And I don't know, I just love going back to those records and hearing them in the transition that they were. Like, yeah. it, you know, Peter Gabriel didn't quite know yet what he was going to do with a solo career. Like he'd had Salisbury Hill, which was a huge hit yeah. from his first record, but he was still searching. Yeah. And there's something very exciting about hearing a record like that. Totally. There you go. Well, Billy, where do you want to take us? Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to uh, the definitive post-punk band, Joy Division. And I will go with a non-album track, Digital, which was uh, released before their first record, Unknown Pleasures. First appeared, I believe, on a sampler. Uh, It was also the last song played by Joy Division at their Birmingham University show Mm. just before Ian Curtis's death. What I find remarkable about when I listen to Joy Division, and if I listen to, say, a live record or singles they put out before uh, Martin Hammett was involved is how different the production uh, made in the song. The The production really elevates the song and created that unique Joy Division sound. There was a real, I think they called it like a spatial uh, separateness that he could create. He recorded things very dif- dif- differently, he made the drummer, you know, go up to the roof. I think that's uh, Stephen Morris. shown in that movie, 24 Hour Party People. Yeah. He's also famous for making uh, vague demands like more yellow. <laughs> right. or, uh, or slower but faster. Right. Uh, Peter Hook, <laughs> I think it drove him crazy. But uh, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. This is just a brilliant track. It's the epitome of a post-punk song. It's, you know, it's dark and it's dancey. Uh, it's Digital by Joy Division. Yeah. 
was trying to describe to my girlfriend like why I liked bands like uh, uh, Joy Division. Right. And I realized a lot of it was, it was body music to me. It was music that I could move to. I would physically… Like, I loved the wedding present for that reason. I loved, you know, uh, the wooden tops for that reason. I loved the fall for that reason. Like, they were bands that made me move. And I feel like they just gave you that kind of sense of blast of energy. Even if it was frustration or anger or alienation or whatever it was, it made you physically move it out of your body. And that's just such a great part of Joy Division to me. Makes me move. Not not quite like Ian Curtis. I don't quite have those moves, but... Uh, That's a tough move to do. I got a song that'll make you move. Speaking of transitions. There you go. <laughs> Great. Thank you for the segue, Chris. How about that segue, huh? Uh-huh. Beautiful. Uh, for my last choice, I'm going to go with uh, The Talking Heads. Nice. Of course. This is 1978. You know, big year for them. More songs about buildings and food. Their second album. And I would argue after Remain in Light, their best album... The first one produced by Brian Eno, who would become like a very critical sort of part of the band over the next three albums. The song is Warning Sign. It's weird and I love it. And I think Tina Weymouth is fantastic in it on bass and her husband, Chris France on drums. It's a real rhythm section song. But there is a video on YouTube that I would suggest that people check out. It's them playing the song in 1980. It comes up as soon as you type in like Talking Heads Live warning sign. And it's got um, them plus Adrian Ballou on guitar who does some crazy shit. And it's just, it's mesmerizing. So anyway, the album cut version is is great too. And that's what I'm going to play now. So um, anyway, hit it.
is such a reminder of like what it sounds like when a band is fully in control of all of their abilities and they've got an amazing producer with them and they're all exploring something new together. You know? Yeah, I mean, like their first album, 77, is great, but it sounds very tentative in a way, even though they had been playing live at CBGB's for a while. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they had sort of perfected that first suite of songs that they were, that was like their repertoire. But I think that like, you know, this album is just this quantum leap uh, artistically from the first album. Uh, it's also funny to hear Joy Division and Talking Heads right after each other because they, it's in some ways during this period of the life of both bands, they had similar practices. Like they would just get together and they would jam and they would just play, just jam out and just and record it and find these specific moments during, you know, these hours and hours of playing together that they would then hone in on and pull out and turn into song. Yeah. They've, I've just been reading books by Peter Hook and read the Chris Franz book uh, about him and Tina. And I was struck by that, that they both had similar processes. Like they would, yeah. they sort of had this jam phase and then this curation phase where they would pull things out that struck them while they jammed everything out. It reminds you also how much like the collaboration is key, you know, because David Byrne is an incredible artist, but he's not 100% talking heads. And when you listen to Tina's bass playing and how herky-jerky it is and the pauses she takes and Chris's percussion. She owns this song. Yeah, she yeah. really does. And it just reminds you like everybody, Jerry Harrison, like everybody is contributing to like this whole in a really interesting way. And it's new. It doesn't sound like the first record. It sounds like a new record, new terrain. They're going three-dimensional now versus kind of being a really great two-dimensional band. It's like they've now gone to that point where they're doing textures and ideas. And it's just, a, it's a stunning album. It's such a stunning album. Yeah. I think they're probably my favorite band from this sort of, you know, 78 to 82 period. I really, those records are just fantastic. And they're great journeys, just kind of going through them one by one. Like yeah. if you wanted to have a great dinner party, I would just say, put them on in succession. In succession, yeah. And, Hear, hear how they've evolved and when you I would your, go to that dinner party times. totally remain in light <laughs> will be where the dessert kicks in right I would talk about that dinner party for weeks well here's the good news that is the the blazing fast less than an hour we, we we ran through 1978 in a lovely way it's deep cuts lost and found we do have right now uh, some further listening so let's talk a little bit about suggestions of records from this year that you think are also worthy of a bit of attention Derek do you want to start us out I'm going to start us out um, you know, it's never easy to be a woman in a rock band, a woman in the music industry at all, and especially during the punk scene in London. And that's why I'm going to recommend listening to the band X-Ray Specs and their record Germ-Free Adolescence. Nice. Bands led by uh, Polly Styrene, really great punk name. And she just has this really great voice, really distinctive. You'd know her from probably later record with the uh, Oh Bondage Up Yours song, mm -hmm. but uh, it's a great record and uh, definitely recommend it. It's X-Ray Specs, Germ-Free Adolescence. Nice. Chris, what would you recommend? I'm going to go a little bit off reservation here and suggest uh, a Neil Young record. Mm. Um, and one of his more Challenge. like... Yeah, one of his more like... <laughs> Uh, slower, more pensive records. It's called Comes a Time, and I really like that record a lot. It's not alternative. It, it's like very rootsy, 
but I just listened to it just uh, again, sort of in preparation for picking something for this show. I thought I would just be in it for a few minutes and I just played the whole thing out and then listened to it a second time. And, and it's just a really strong record of his. So I would go with that, actually, because I think it might be new to a lot of our listeners. Nice. Billy, what's your recommendation? Okay. Uh, this is not like Neil Young. Uh, I'm going to go to Germany. I'm going to go to Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. <laughs> the, man, the Man Machine, famous for the model and, and the robots was the other single. Although I think that the title track is really the best one, Man Machine. Uh, obviously, it's got the all the ingredients, their mechanical style and their, their robotic delivery. Uh, but it really is the uh, predecessor for so much that is to come in the 80s with the synth pop and the like. So I'm going to recommend Kraftwerk, The Man Machine. Oh, what a stunning record. I'm going to go with a band that uh, I really like. It's the debut of Dire Straits. Mm. I think the first Dire Straits you record. You were Nash in your classic rock. Yeah, I think it's a really, truly great record. And um, Mark Knopfler led it with his brother David. It, it They were a band that was essentially a pub band out of the UK. Uh, he was an educator who basically decided he wanted to like try to become a, a, a band leader and, and write songs. He got uh, discovered by a DJ who did a country show on the BBC called Charlie Gillett. And I just think this is a really stunning record. It's the debut, it's the self-titled debut from Dire Straits. And I think it's just one of those albums, it, the hit that you know from it is Sultans of Swing. It's a truly great song. When you listen to it again, I think it holds up to pre, repeat listenings. But the whole album is really confident. And I think, you know, we like, we really respond well to debut albums. A lot of stuff we had last week were debut albums. I think we have a few debut albums this week too. And I think this is a truly great debut record. So Dire Straits, self-titled album from the British uh, rock band is sort of my pick for that. Well, let's uh, hop into our, um, well, let's talk about, first let's do the, uh, uh, where you can find us. So where can you find us on uh, social media? Sure. Check us out on Twitter, search for Deep Cuts Lost and Found, uh, and check us out on Patreon. Same same search, Deep Cuts Lost and Found. Which leads us to, uh, we're going to do right now a quick vote on uh, who has the most uh, deep cut, the most exciting cut, the most fun discovery. And uh, the lead, the winner of this will be the leadoff hitter in our bonus round, which will be on the Patreon uh, platform for those of you who want to hang out with us for another round of songs from 1978. You get to see us too. Mm. I, I don't know if that's sweetening the deal. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. But <laughs> you don't have to see us. You can, can we get a recap? Yeah, let's let's get a recap, a recap. of who played what, Thomas. Yes, absolutely. Tom so, sucked up to the French. What was next? Blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, Derek opened it up with the Buzzcocks, the song Lipstick from the Love just Bites Buzzcocks, album. Just Buzzcocks, no the. I'm sorry, just Buzzcocks. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're one of those bad. <laughs> oh. Don't fuck around <laughs> with him. <laughs> Throw an article in front of my bed one more time. <laughs> one more time. Uh, I, I followed with the aptly titled Black Devil Disco Club uh, by a very, very talented Frenchman. The song is called Timing, Forget the Timing. It's from their self-titled debut. Billy came in with the cars. I'm in touch with your world from their self-titled debut. Devo is what Chris came in with, with gut feeling slap your mammy uh, from their album. Q, are we not men? We I'm not are. sure they say it that right. way. But. They do, though. Uh, are we not Devo? Uh, and another amazing debut for tonight. Derek came in with uh, Marie Provost, one of the darkest songs I think I've heard in quite some time. But very pretty. 
It's got a gorgeous melody. Very pretty. Pretty and dark. Jesus of Cool is the name of the album. Nick Lowe is the artist. I played Peter Gabriel's Home Sweet Home, the closing song from his second self-titled album, number two, known sometimes as Scratch. Billy came in with Joy Division and Digital from their album Substance. Chris Nashawati came in and closed out the show with the Talking Heads warning sign from their second album, More Songs About Building and Food, produced by Brian Eno, a stunning album. And that is The Batch. Are you guys ready? To uh, to vote, yes. Typing it ready in. to All vote. Right. Say when. One, two, and three. Go ahead and vote. Uh, yeah, it looks like we got a winner. Yeah, Derek. Looks, Derek, you took it. So uh, yeah, me Marie Provost. Oh, yeah. Nobody liked Tommy's French suck up song. I guess not. I liked it. it. You you apparently <laughs> did because you keep talking about it. <laughs> well, I'm happy to suck it up, and Derek, you are happy to lead us off in the bonus Congratulations, round. Congratulations, Derek. Yes, yep. nice win. That is a nice win. Well deserved. Yes, it is a gorgeous song. Not not that you wrote it, but it was a very good. He song. picked it. Don't forget the '78 <laughs> was also the silliest uh, album title ever with with uh, Ario Speedwagons. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a Fish. Tuna fish. <laughs> oh, Thank you, God. Great, great. Thanks, Derek. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Way to close out the show. Tom will be playing that in the bonus round. <laughs> That's right. So stay tuned for that. We will be back next week with 1979 round three. I am here with Derek Brain, Bill Federko, Chris Nashawati. We are best friends and buddies back to 1980s. We graduated 1987. It is 30 plus years since then, and we are still sharing music with each other, and we are now sharing them with you. So thanks for tuning in to Deep Cuts Lost and Found round two, 1978. We'll be back with 1979. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Peace.